I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. He came, he saw, and so many times he conquered. Now at the age of 42, boxing icon Manny Pacquiao has called it a career as the sport's only eight-division champion. My name is Brian Campbell. You're looking at a morning combat extra edition here, just looking to sort of put into words the impact and the legacy that the 42-year-old Filipino legend has had on this sport as he puts the boxing gloves aside following Tuesday night's uh, impromptu press conference on his Facebook page announcing that he will fight no more as Manny Pacquiao looks to run for the presidency of the Philippines in 2022. Uh, My name is Brian Campbell. As I mentioned, one half of Morning Combat alongside Luke Thomas every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern here on YouTube on the MK channel, giving you all the hot takes in boxing, MMA, and beyond to check that out. But right now, I really want to focus on on such a cultural icon and crossover legend in Pacquiao that the emotions kind of hit hard here. I didn't... I didn't expect him to fight again after losing somewhat soundly there in in a close, but, but convincing decision loss to your Dennis Ugas in August on pay-per-view Ugas defended the WBA welterweight title too, uh, but replacing late the injured Errol Spence jr. Which was yet another time Manny Pacquiao reaching up and daring to be great. Pacquiao looked a little sluggish. He looked a little old. He threatened retirement after that fight. Now it seems he's going through with it. Does it mean he'll never fight again? I'm sorry. I, I can't believe that fighters obviously retire so often. And Pacquiao loves this game so much that if you imagine a scenario, let's say where he doesn't win the presidency of, uh, of the Philippines, you're going to see him back. That just is what it is, but let's take him at his word for right now. What does he leave behind? I mean, certainly one of the greatest surefire hall of fame careers we've ever seen, whether you have him, you know, the one B to the one a of Floyd Mayweather as the face of this modern boxing era, Pacquiao's legacy is so unique to itself, even separate from Mayweather, that uh, you know you wanted to come on here and, and sort of uh, add an accompaniment to a piece I wrote on CBSSports.com this week on the boxing page, looking at sort of five reasons here why Manny Pacquiao's legacy is so unique to himself and why really why we'll never see another one exactly like him, specifically in this in this biz boxing businessman era that we see, where fighters barely fight twice a year sometimes take on easier opponents. You had an old school throwback, unlikely crossover global superstar pay-per-view hero who came on there and put one slugfest after another in his prime and, and constantly moved up and weighed and dared to be great. There's only one Manny Pacquiao, and I want to sort of open like this. It's not that I didn't know he was going to go, but when, it's, when, it's, when you have closure, when it's in your face, it's real. I never lost on what we had in him, even though for most of us, you know, Pacquiao has been on top for like two full decades, right? He's been a pay-per-view star for about 15 years for some of us, not me specifically, but a lot of boxing fans. It's like, they don't know boxing without Pacquiao on top. So it's a sobering thing to see him gone now when, you know, everyone thought the the Mayweather fight in 2015 was going to be the mountaintop for both. And they'd sort of both 
linger on and fall off after that. Mayweather, to a large degree, has, even though he stayed busy lately with attraction fights. But Pacquiao never went anywhere. Yeah, he juggled being a full-time senator and a full-time fighter, and there were breaks. But he stayed an active fighter. But yet now seeing him gone, it does make you sort of start to put into context did we have right here the closest thing we've ever had to a, to a Muhammad Ali of our era? And, and like, you know, lightning will strike you if you say those type of sacrilege words, because there's no one like Muhammad Ali. That's why Ken Burns can do a PBC documentary. And it's like the 100th documentary on Ali. Yet people are kicking down the door to see it. Nobody had that impact. He was a hero. He's a villain. He was humanitarian. I mean, he was everything. But Pacquiao might come the closest, you know? I mean, it's, it's rare you see boxers run for president, but such a humble, graceful person who has evolved through the years in front of our eyes, yet he was everyone's favorite fighter at some point. He really was. He was one of those gateway drug fighters that pulls in the casuals, the non-sports fans, the grandmothers who watched him sing, you know, off, <laughs> off-tone karaoke on Jimmy Kimmel. And we're like, man, this, this, this guy's adorable. And he had that at, it, at his core, you know, what made Pacquiao great? Well, this, the fighting style and the hunger. Yeah, yeah, of course. But the dichotomy of that mixed with, such a just a humble regular guy who you know he lived the he lived the fast life for a while but once he buckered down he became a a family man a a a god fearing man and and you know and a giving man you know I mean some of the look he has controversial politics some of the charity people argue is for show but you know the manny I've gotten to know over the years through interviewing him as real and genuine <laughs> as as it gets I mean he's a he's a great dude he's an asset to the sport he's like the you know the poster a person you would want to represent something. And for so many people who only come to boxing once or twice a year for the big events, Pacquiao was that key. And he was, you know, if he, again, if he wasn't the greatest fighter of this era and, you know, to be fair, he fought Floyd Mayweather finally after a five and a half year courtship. And, you know, they were one and two pound for pound. Were they older? Yeah, they were 38 and 36. It wasn't a prime example of where they were, but terms were even. And Floyd won the fight. So he's probably your face of the division. And I, and I do rate him just that much higher historically because of that. But Pacquiao's run is so unique that he does have the argument that he sort of transcends that argument and that you would rank him higher when you take into totality everything he accomplished. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to say, will, will there ever be another Manny Pacquiao? No, like, I mean, will we ever see in history somebody win titles in eight divisions? Even in this like absolutely watered down era where let's be honest, like Adrian Broner, good fighter, marketable, flashy fighter, never great. He's a four division champion. Why? Because we've got so many titles in every weight class that you end up in these fights for the vacant title. And you're suddenly, oh, I was a champion at that weight class. Well, were you? Um, It's not that Pacquiao didn't have at least one scenario where he picked up a belt and wasn't the true champion of the division. But for the most part, he was the champion and would clean out the divisions he was in. And he won titles in eight divisions, which no one's ever, I mean, that, that alone is like, it's sort of like a band that, you know, may have had some longevity and had great hits, but that one album that they had that they became famous from was so ridiculously perfect and great that they could never need or want or have another hit or do anything. And that one thing, right. You know, it's like, if you star as Luke Skywalker in the star Wars show, like, I don't know, I don't know if Mark Hamill's ever been in another movie. It doesn't matter. They set, you know, that's his legacy for life. Pacquiao could have been that with the eight division champion thing. Only he did that in 2011, right? Like he went on to fight a full decade, went on to author this absurd twilight to his career. It's there's so many layers. The more you really think about it to what we had here, uh, 
to a guy that was like, he was like a guarantee on pay-per-view for the most part. Now, did he, did he, did he turn more into a boxer for a short period after the, the vicious knockout loss to Juan Manuel Marcus in their fourth fight in 2012? Yes, he did. The Brandon Rios fight, you know, a couple of those fights. Yeah, you see more Pacquiao the boxer, but for the most part, he came after you. And that's an old school way of operating for a guy who was always the smaller guy for the most part would always dra- you know, rise up and wait, defy the odds. And he gave you an honest uh, night at the office and in a pay-per-view era where you'd kind of pay for the, the promotion, right? Especially in the era of like 24 seven and all access documentaries. Sometimes Mayweather would lure you in to be paying for the promotion. And then, you know, you'd watch him for 12 rounds, just be a master out there, but to casuals, they're not always entertained by that. Pacquiao was that rare brand consistent through the years doesn't matter who he's facing you know he's going to try to face the best and for the most part he's going to entertain you now let's look at five reasons here why uh, beyond the eight division titles that Pacquiao was so different and we may never see someone uh, again like him number five you know he never stopped fighting like that poor kid on the side of the road in a developing nation and it's like yeah there's a little hagiography demigod treatment of Pacquiao's backstory Maybe boxing is the only sport that can, you know, produce a Paul Bunyan tale like this. But, you know, for the most part from the research, I'll tell you, it's true. He, his parents divorced when he was young. His mom was a single mom with six kids. They barely had a roof over their heads. Pacquiao essentially drops out of high school to sell cigarettes and and donuts on the side of the road. Times got so bad. He moved to the capital city of Manila, kind of lived in the streets, took odd construction jobs to send money back home. And then he stumbles into a boxing gym and the rest is history turn pro he turns pro at age 16 at 106 pounds and again who would have ever thought you know he's fighting to to kind of put food on the table but number five the reason why he never stopped fighting like that you know like i don't even want to do the marvin Hagler thing again of like hard to do road work and silk sheets that whole line but it's true it's hard to foster that same level of determination when you finally made it because a lot of the fuel for fighters that's guiding them to potentially be great is the want for comfort and, and fame and attrib- you know, attribution for what they're doing. And once you get that, you know, it's sort of like, well, I kind of like being a celebrity here, kind of like being rich bitch, you know what I mean? And, and it's not, you know, it's not sometimes rock music is the same way. It's like, you know, Pearl Jam had a great career. They're still torn. They're still awesome. Live still make good albums. Never made one like 10 before with that type of, anger and angst and fuel Pacquiao had that fuel every single fight more or less even again as the older smaller fighter he's the one coming forward engaging in battle and that type of fighting spirit it's the edge that he had in his absolute prime where you're just like I don't know much about this guy but I gotta watch him this is so much fun and it's obviously what helped him outlast other guys in really close fights and I think even more you know, it's what got him through some really tough moments. It was this, like, I'm not going back to that street corner. I don't care. You know, I know there's been reports through the years that he's had financial issues and he keeps a ridiculously large entourage and he gives away so much of his money and he flies hundreds of people to his fights. And, you know, maybe there are times that he's fighting for money or, or some people say he entered politics just for the, the built-in finance. I don't know. I don't know his real motivation there. I'm not trying to paint him as a saint, but he kept fighting like that kid. Who's like, if I don't make it here through this, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. And, you know, I love the old stories like his, 
his dad, they were so hungry. His dad ate his dog and then Manny ran away and left. I don't know if that's all real. That's that could be some Filipino magic there, but the Filipino magic you saw inside the ring was who Manny is. And not only did he not forget that kid, you know, he gave back a lot and he's still giving back today. And, and that's, uh, that's where you get those sort of Ali like comparisons. There is a generation of fans who got into the game, as I mentioned, because of him. And, you know, think of the, think of the Filipino nation, Think of a country that is, you know, had so many ups and downs and is still kind of a quasi third world country when you look at the financials and the numbers there. And how many people look at him as an absolute hero, rightfully so, who just came from nothing and look where he is today. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've had to do that myself. OK, I've had to always be that guy from the factory town, you know, to have that hunger and that passion. He never lost it. And I think it's that love for the game that has kept him in it and kept him going, you know, so ridiculously long. Uh, number four, Pacquiao made the improbable, the impossible, the, the, you know, the odds makers telling him, no, he made it look easy at times. And he did it by daring to be great by taking on challenges that we didn't think he should, by you know, moving up to welterweight to take, face Oscar De La Hoya in 2008, that type of stuff. But he just consistently did that. Now, how was he able to pull that off? Because he had an absurd motor and passion and hunger and drive, like I just talked about, that fighting hunger. But when you really look at it, and you talk about there'll never be another Manny Pacquiao, and I broke down before about the eight-division champion. You're just, you're just never going to see that again, okay? You're not going to see somebody turn pro at 106 pounds and win a world title at 154 pounds. You know, you, maybe you'll see somebody fluctuate weight that wildly a few times here and there, but have that same level of success? No. So, you know, when Pacquiao was, was fighting the, the, that Hall of Fame trio there, the, the Juan Manuel Marquez, the Marco Antonio Barrera, the Eric Morales, and just making great fights at 122, 126. And, you know, he's, he suddenly became a pay-per-view brand off of that. And he's this, like, future star. Nobody, nobody in 2004 or 5, nobody would have believed. that Could he go up to lightweight even? I remember he went up to 135 to face David Diaz. It's like, I don't know if he can handle that power. I mean, he went all the way up. You know, he smashed Ricky Hatton at 140. He stopped De La Hoya and Hatton at welterweight. You know, he took the, a title at a catchweight from Margarito at 154 pounds. He did it in a way that, yeah, yeah, he had to take punishment. People don't talk about this enough. Go, go rewatch the Miguel Cotto fight. 12th round TKO for Manny. The first four rounds were the, the Hagler Hearns of welterweight. You're like, we see, whoa, 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 Hagler Hearns. Seriously, go back and rewatch the first four rounds of Pacquiao Cotto. Pacquiao had to walk through the wood chipper. Okay, walk through hell to to overcome what Cotto over Cotto stubbornness and take control of that fight. And rounds five through twelve were one sided. Pacquiao just picked him apart, wore him down, dominated, stopped him. One through four. There's a reason why when Pacquiao after the fight, remember he would always do those those live karaoke parties at the hotel and he'd sing and he'd put on a concert, you know, like Pacquiao was the only one that didn't realize he couldn't sing. Like, you know, it's still hilarious to this day, but he had that giant bandage over his ear. Dude, he went through hell. His eardrum was ringing. I think he had the, uh, he had the surgery on him. Mean, he got beat up. He says the Antonio Margarito fight, the one-sided junior middleweight title fight from 2011, in which he destroyed Margarito's eye, right? Just 12 rounds hitting him in the same spot with those rocket left hands. Pacquiao quietly in interviews will tell you he took more punishment in that fight against a giant man than in any other, but you didn't notice it. Part of him moving up in weight with such ease and doing the impossible was he took on damage and accrued it, endured it, and didn't show the, you know, I mean, when have you seen him dropped? 
you know, offhand, I'm like, okay, he was definitely dropped in the fourth fight with Marquez twice, including the knockout. And that's why that fight is so batshit awesome. And he also dropped Marquez and it's a great war between two old legends. I know he was stopped twice in the Philippines or, or in Asia before he made the move officially in 2001 to the U S but you don't see this guy get knocked down even when he's like substantially the smaller fighter. So the ease in which he moved up and weight and did these impossible things. Again, it's not like I'm, I'm naive to the, the potential performance enhancing drug crossover of every athlete during this run. There's believe me. Okay. But even within the grounds of where he operated in this sport and against his contemporaries, he was like a superhero. There's nobody. I mean, like when he beat Kodo, in 2011, he was getting Henry Armstrong comparisons. Like people don't understand how boxing works. Boxing, you age in reverse. Boxing is the only sport where the guys way back then are way better than the guys today for the most part, except for like the, the athlete and size issue where like, you know, now you got a six foot nine Tyson Fury with long and quick hands and quick feet. I'm, that guy's fighting in any era and he's going to be a, a factor. Believe it. Okay. But the difference is because there's no gyms on every boxing corner because boxing's not a top three sport a sport of kings like it was in the 40s and 50s and 60s and if you grew up watching ali and that carried through to the 80s and a little bit of the 90s where you know you grew up wanting to be a boxer now it's still a a sport that's looked at as a way out in in you know in, in urban and hardship communities um it ages in reverse when henry armstrong was fighting there were eight weight classes he was the undisputed champion simultaneously at three of them. When Pacquiao moved up to welterweight and beat those guys, people were like, this is like, this is some Henry Armstrong bullshit. You don't see those comparisons today. You don't see as great as Mayweather is, right? And it's going to go down in the top 10 or 15 or 20, depending on where you stand all the time. You don't see people going. I know, I know it's, a, it's a cultural thing to say, maybe without really thinking about it. You hear a lot of pro athletes say, well, Floyd Mayweather is the best of all time. Well, you know, he had the marketing of the best ever, and he would say he was the best. But people that really know say he's one of the best all time. But he's, you know, he's not in the he's not Sugar Ray Robinson. You don't see Floyd Mayweather getting compared to Sugar Ray Robinson. You saw Manny Pacquiao getting compared to Henry Armstrong. I mean, that's wild. Um, that's because he just did impossible things and made it look easy. And and the Pacquiao that we know now, we're so used to seeing him around on pay per view, whatever. If you didn't live it. You forgot what it was like, like when he was going to fight De La Hoya, he was going to get knocked out. I know De La Hoya was 36, but he was like three weight classes bigger. I thought Miguel Cotto was going to body him. I thought even Ricky Hatton might pop him. Each step of that ladder, there was a giddiness after each. I specifically remember when he knocked out Miguel Cotto and Larry Merchant looked in the microphone on HBO and said, we knew Manny Pacquiao was great. He's better than we thought. It was like, I don't know what the limit is on what this man can do. And that's freaking scary. And that's the reason why the drum beat started for him to fight Floyd Mayweather. And why, in hindsight, if we only could have seen that fight in 2011 or 2012 before, you know, Pacquiao had the back-to-back defeats. Um, could have been, it could have been something. It could have been something. We still got it. They were still number one and two pound for pound. The testament to Pacquiao's ability to re, you know, reimagine himself. But uh, wow, that's how special that run was. Number three. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I don't think there's ever been a better loser than Manny Pacquiao. And while that looks like a, an insult and a jab, it's anything but. It's a twofold way to look at it. One, he had the grace and humility under fire, especially in times in which, like the Timothy Bradley fight, the first one from 2012, he got robbed. He got out. Brian Kenny is the only guy who thinks that Tim Bradley won that. Okay. I wonder at night if Tim Bradley sits down. He won't say it publicly, but I wonder if at night if he goes, Yeah, we got one over on him. Uh, upon rewatching that really closely, you know, you can get four. I don't even want to say five. You get four rounds to Tim Bradley. He, I mean, he, he, despite having legitimate injuries, he just kept coming and Pacquiao was slowing down. That was that first period where Pacquiao, you're like, oh, you know, Pacquiao's still great. But I don't know if he could fight three minutes every round at that same hellacious pace that he was doing against De La Hoya, Hat, and Cotto or against Morales and Barrera before that. Like, let's not forget, maybe Pacquiao would throw like eight or nine punch combinations take a step out and dart right back in. He was slowing down just a bit yet. Even in that fight, which is considered the biggest robbery of the modern era in terms of like a pay-per-view event and the Jeff Horn fight, which I know I'm a truther in saying that the fight might've been a draw or even, you know, more or less, a lot of people also saw Pacquiao as being robbed there. Never complained. He never cried foul. He gave respect to the judges, to his opponent. And you can say, okay, BC, that's cool. He's a, you know, he's a sportsman. Well, who cares? We're in the Conor McGregor Floyd trash talk era. We are, but you know, that builds up not just goodwill or a good representation of the sport. And, and, but that's like, it helps you bounce back. You realize Manny realized he could only control what goes on in the 12 rounds. If he can't knock out a guy and that was his goal, he can just do the best he can. And, and that's what it is. And I think that's a healthy way of looking at it. His grace under those levels of fire was extraordinary. Just like it was after he lost to Ugas. He said, you know, I thought I might've done enough, but the, the better man won. Congratulations to him. The only time I had issue, to be honest, with Manny in this category was after he lost to Floyd when he had, which everyone thought was a clear eight rounds to four, which he said, I thought I won, which I'm not mad at him for thinking that he won, but I, I thought it was clear, shoulder injury or not, that Pacquiao didn't go for it in the biggest fight of his career because he had some fears that Floyd was going to catch him. Maybe it's lingering from the Marquez fight. So I'm not holding this loss against him, but I didn't love his reaction. To be fair, I didn't, especially the, uh, my shoulder was the problem. Let's do a rematch. That was a little clear. That was a little transparent. Aside from that though, that is one half of the being a good loser equation. The other half is we've seen him stop three times and we haven't, and hasn't missed a beat. So two of these are early in his career. I mentioned when he's fighting for world titles in Asia, one of those times he was clearly weight drained and he got stopped because of that. Another time, I think he just got knocked out, knocked out. You know, he bounced back from that and became world champion. And then obviously that led to that, the American invasion. We didn't know who Manny Pacquiao was until 2001. He had just recently come to the States. He walked into Freddie Roach's gym on the streets of, of LA at wildcard. And he suddenly got this new trainer and he fills in on HBO last minute to face uh, Leo Lilo Ledwaba, who just recently passed away. RIP for a 122 pound title, the IBF and Pacquiao just blows him the frick away. And it's like, from there on, he's this attraction on HBO that led into the Barrera fight, which was his first breakthrough win. And the, the, the trilogy with Morales and, you know, beginning the, the four fight run with, with Marquez, which is the greatest rivalry that boxing has seen in the past 20, 30 years. Um, that's all great. 
But when he got knocked out by by Marquez in 2012 and was face down on the canvas for 55 full seconds in which everyone from me at home going like this to Bob Arum, his promoter, to his wife, Jinky. I mean, they thought he would, they, they, you know, I've talked to people that were there after like, yeah, we thought he was dead. And, you know, they got the smelling salts and, and, he, and he woke back up and we thought, okay, thank God he's alive because that was one of the most vicious shots, worst timing ever. You know, we saw it, Pacquiao ducking in at the worst time. They're both just kind of brawling because it turned into this incredible sort of, you know, anger fueled spite fest fight. And Pacquiao gets just knocked out. And, you know, was Marquez on the stuff? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you tell me, oh man, he knocked his lights out cold and you thought, okay, I'm glad he's okay. But he'll never be the same. At worst, he'll be, you know, best he'll be gun shy. At worst, he'll be gonna be washed from that. And you take into account, forget the three knockout losses. I told you about the Cotto and Margarito fights. He had to walk through hell and winning one-sided fights, but he had to take on damage. He has been in wars. The Jeff Horn fight was a war. The Keith Thurman fight, where there was a lot of you know great exchanges later in his career. But forget all of those fights from 2000 to 2010 before he, or, or to 2008, before he moved up to welterweight, all those fights at 20, 122, 126, 130, they're wars. And I don't know how it didn't affect him. So the, you want to talk about who's a great loser. You can be a sportsman, man, he was in defeat, but he's the best loser ever because he bounced back from that, that, that KO loss that usually KOs careers. And didn't seem changed by it except for a couple fights in the beginning. He was a little too a little cautious and boxing heavy, but you know, he got back into the, into the Mayweather fight, which we thought was done by that point. And he was the number two pound for pound ranked guy and a defending welterweight champion. And then of course he has that third period of his career, that twilight where it's like, how is he doing it at this age? Shouldn't he be punch drunk? Shouldn't he be slow? No, he's none of those. This is a, this is an alien. Okay. And the fact that he rebounded to, from losses so easily and was like, almost like, oh, big deal. This is like, he treated boxing like, you know, he loves basketball. We all know he loves basketball. He owned a, owns a team in the, in the Filipino league. He made himself a player coach at one point or whatever, which was a big publicity stunt. He plays basketball like every single day. He also trains boxing every single day because he loves it. But he looks at it under that regard, like, oh, your neighbor, Joe, he's a plumber guy runs road races all the time. It's his passion in life. He's going to be out there in any weather running because he loves it. Pacquiao treated professional boxing like that. Like, oh man, a loss. Okay, cool. I got a game next week, right? We got, we got another one, right? We'll, we'll be back. You don't see that. You don't see that. Number two, what, what made Pacquiao different? His longevity is absurd. Okay. 26 years. Okay. He turned pro at 16, like a lot of Mexican fighters who forgo an amateur career. Canelo Alvarez turned pro at like 15, right? He had like, he had as many fights as Floyd did when they fought and, and Floyd was 36 and Canelo was 23, right? So he's got 72 pro fights. And yet two years, two years ago, 24 years into his 26 year career, he goes out and, and at age 40, nearly becomes the fighter of the year again, reclaims a welterweight title, puts himself back in the top 10 pound for pound, knocks out Matisse, gets a decision win on pay-per-view against Adrian Broner, and edges Keith Thurman in like an instant classic of a great championship, welterweight championship bout, in which he knocks unbeaten champion Thurman down and sort of outpunches him. He did that in a 12-year window at age 40. His longevity is absurd. And it's not the years or the amount of fights 
as much as, as it is the combination of damage mixed with the fact that he never lost his speed and explosiveness. When you're the smaller man fighting in a larger division and your speed starts to go as it does to everyone, you're done. Like we think of Pacquiao as a puncher because he's, you know, he one punched Ricky Hatton and he, you know, he's got spectacular knockdowns of Miguel Cotto. But as we all know, he had that long, almost eight year stretch without a knockout at welterweight until he finally stopped washed Matisse where we're like, you know, 147 is too high. He's not a puncher in this weight class. So he's not really the knockout puncher at the higher weights that we think he is. It's just that he's so fast that if you're, you know, if you're a Ricky hat and you're a bit chinny, you can, he can catch you with one shot, you're gone. Or, or sometimes it's the accumulation of punches over so many rounds, like against De La Hoya or De La Hoya is like, all right, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm done. Not for somebody who's not a knockout puncher for the most part. And you're relying on footworks and speed. And in many Pacquiao's boxing IQ is very underrated. Him and Freddie Roach. I mean, if you look at the early days, look at Pacquiao's breakthrough fight. The first win over Marco Antonio Barrera in San Antonio, 2002-ish, maybe 2003. He's just like fake jab, you know, meaningless jab, meaningless jab, left cross. And that's all it was for early Manny. But yet people couldn't keep up with that because the speed and the ferocity was insane. I know it became a big joke heading into, I believe it was the second Marquez fight where um, he developed Manila ice, which is uh, a fun way of saying Manny Pacquiao developed a right hook. He didn't use his right hand for anything. It was just all left cross. And then Freddie Roach, and then they helped him develop this right hook. Once he became a two fisted puncher and they were, I mean, look at the knockdown of Marquez in their second fight, which I think is the best. Uh, it's not the best of the four. Cause the fourth one is just cinema. But the second one is when they were both at their absolute apex. The knockdown that Pacquiao has early of Marcus is the craziest, sneaky, cross-angled punch that just fits in this tiny strike zone on Marquez's chin and just shows you who Manny became. So, okay, having that insane IQ is great. But he's 40 and even 42 years old against Ugas this year, and he's relying on speed. That's, that's stupid longevity. You don't see that because you're not supposed to see that. Even if somebody did, and we don't know, take things. When Barry, like everyone took things in baseball in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yet Barry Bonds took things and did things that were like, what? 73 home runs, you know, like 100 and something intentional walks, uh, hitting 370 with like a ridiculous on base percentage. It's like he was so great that taking the stuff put him at like a next astrologic next level. Even if you're telling me that that's the case in this situation, it's still insane. You're not going to find me another guy who's going to fight for 26 straight years without too long of a break, especially in his prime. And is not going to get injured is going to recover from knockouts is going to win titles in so many different weight classes and be the same style and same fighter and carry his speed and power up with him for the most part, except for carrying the power to welterweight. Um, you're, you're not going to find it. But number one, why will there never be a Manny Pacquiao? Why is this man so unique above all that and the humanitarian work and the celebrity? Here's the coolest stat. It's not a stat. It's basically a, a, a realization. He's not just, he didn't just have a Hall of Fame career. He had three Hall of Fame careers in one that are kind of separate from each other. It's like when we look at Muhammad Ali, because he had the break in his prime of three plus years when he was uh, you know, sitting out to, to protest the war in Vietnam, we look at that as prime Muhammad Ali, the guy that beat 
Sonny Liston twice and Floyd Patterson twice and, you know, against Cleveland Williams in 1965 or whatever, you'll, that's the peak. You'll never see a better Ali. And then it was older, slowed down, compromised Ali who had a, a level of chin and heart and just determination that willed him to the victories in the rumble in the jungle and the thrill in Manila. That's still two chapters of the same man, right? It's kind of like George Foreman having two chapters because he had that long break in the middle. It's rare when you get somebody who has distinctly different careers. Some, you know, it's rare that somebody will change their style or will move up in weight so dramatically that like, oh, wow, they was a, he was a puncher at this weight class, but he's a boxer at that. No, you don't have that. Pacquiao's got three freaking eras. If he would have retired somehow in his late 20s after fighting Marquez, Morales, and Barrera, a combination of eight times, including victories over some very good names around that, you know, the Oscar Larios is the, you know, he fought Faustin fight, uh, Emmanuel Lucero, he fought uh, Lilo Lewaba, as I talked about, Agapito Sanchez. I mean, he fought names that are known, Hector Velasquez, yes. Um, it's a Hall of Fame run right there. Okay. You retire as a, basically a, a, you know, he'd already won world titles um, at like 108 and 112. And then he moves up to 122, 126. It's a Hall of Fame career right there. Okay. But no, he does what we talked about before, moves up to 140 and welterweight, beats De La Hoya, Hatton, and Cotto, beats Clotty, wins the title in another weight class against Margarito. So suddenly Manny's like 32, 33 in 2011. And he's boxing's only eight division champion. And that second period of his career, which includes the, the second and third uh, Marquez fights, which he won both of them, even though they were both controversial. That middle period is where he was the most famous, where he was the most explosive, where it was just like, I don't think he can do this, but I'm going to watch it. And he probably will. And that period kind of ran through the knockout loss to Marquez. And maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it ends right there. But that third trimester of Manny's career, whether you consider only the third part being after the Floyd Mayweather fight or what led up to it, right? The, the second win over the, the, the second fight against Timothy Bradley in which he won, which was a great performance and in, in, in the comeback he made, you know, beating, being Brandon Rios, beating Chris Algieri to set up the, the Mayweather fight. Okay, he loses the Mayweather fight. We thought he would fade away. That twilight run to have wins over Tim Bradley in their trilogy, Jesse Vargas, a clear, you know, clear pay-per-view win, um, stops Matisse, Adrian Broner, Keith Thurman. Like that's kind of, you know, you package that together. Who has a better welterweight run during that stretch? Maybe with the exception of Errol Spence Jr. Insane. There'll never be another one. Manny Pacquiao, one of one. Do I think he'll fight again? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. But for now, at page 42, we bid you adieu, Manny. Thank you for, for everything, for, uh, for being, you know, this, this spark at times. I, I, I said it in print. Boxing hasn't been easy to follow for the last 20 years. Too many pay-per-views, too many world titles. Boxing was off of regular TV for a lot of that. There's corruption, there's bullshit. But there was Manny Pacquiao. And for so many people, the real fans... Oh God, Pacquiao's going to be fighting Barrera in a month. I got to be there. Oh, he's fighting Morales? Oh no, he's fighting... Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was that. He was the guy. He's still the man. Manny Pacquiao's out. So is your boy, BC. Like and subscribe to what we do here on Morning Combat. We do a lot of MMA. We do some boxing sometime, too. But um, I think you're going to like the way it looks on you. I guarantee that.
You want any more words? How about two of them? We out.